and everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, as always, your host and the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com for free or paid subscriptions. The podcast, I apologize, was gone for the last week. I had a couple of guests that fell through, but I'm back now, and hopefully we will be now moving to multiple episodes a week, probably two, one at the very least, but... I have a good guest coming up, but before we get to that, I since I haven't done an episode since any of the preseason games, I wanted to give some quick thoughts on the preseason and training camp and just kind of where things stand right now as we're a week away from the start of the regular season. So full disclosure, I did not see either of the last two preseason games on the road in Sacramento or last night at Golden State. I... You know, the, the, the Sacramento one wasn't on TV, and I wasn't really about to try to find a stream or something like that for a preseason game where I, I just, I, 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 it wasn't a big enough deal to me to do that. And, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I kind of treat preseason games the way I treat summer league games, which is I'm not going to really go out of my way to watch them unless I'm there in person. But I saw, you know, I've, I've seen enough about them. I sounds like I didn't miss too much as far as anything super impressive for, you know, on on the Blazers end. But I did see enough from the three games that I was at the one in Seattle against the Clippers. And then the two at home later that week to kind of get what I needed to get out of the preseason game. So I guess we'll start with the positives. So real quick, Dame looks healthy. He's, I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him at all. I think he's going to have a big year. Jeremy Grant has looked like an awesome fit. He looks like he's just exactly as advertised. He's perfect fit. You know, the kind of big defensive wing that they haven't had in really since Nicholas Batum. Like, you know, if you, if you want to go go back that far, I think he's going to be a really awesome fit. Uh, the Keon Johnson minutes have been a nice surprise. It seems like he's going to be a real part of the rotation and Shaden Sharp, I know, hasn't gotten real, real reps against real NBA competition because the two games where he's looked really good were the game against Maccabi Ranana uh, last week and then the game last night against the Warriors where they weren't, where, you know, the Golden State wasn't playing any of their guys. So with that caveat, you know, you can see what the talent and the upside are with Sharp. So I, you know, I think there's a lot to be excited about there in the future. I just, I don't know how ready he is right now to play real minutes against real players so I don't know how much he's going to be in the rotation right away but there's a lot of promising stuff there and that's kind of about it for the positives <laughs> like everybody's kind of been talking about how the defense is still not good and it very much has not been so far in the preseason I mean Gary Payton second whenever he does get back on the court is going to help some with that but you know you can't expect one guy who hasn't played with any of these guys at all to 
really fix all of those issues and so that you know there's a huge there's still a huge issue and a huge uh deficiency on that end so that's certainly concerning uh Nurkic has looked very good at times but a lot of times you've also seen that he's been you know he's been getting winded a lot even though he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes and I've said for a while and you know I said this on the last podcast with Eric I've said this you know, at other points that really the, you know, the sway, the big swing piece for this season is going to be what they get out of Nurkic this season as far as, you know, are they going to get the version of Nurk that they got after they tore everything down last season, but before he got shut down where, you know, he's playing some of the best basketball of his career, they were really featuring him, or are they going to get the version that's kind of checked out and is kind of limited in a lot of different defensive schemes? We don't know. I mean, if, if he can be the best version of himself for more of the time than not, then I think they have a higher ceiling than maybe we've seen so far. But that's kind of been the story with Nurk really since he's been in Portland for five or six years or however long it's been is just, you know, wishing that he would be, you know, the best version of himself consistently. And I think at this point, he just kind of is who he is or better or worse. What I will say is that I think that Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups have both very much been telegraphing that this roster that there is on the floor right now and these rotations and the personnel they have is not going to be the personnel that they have later on in the season. Like, I think by the, certainly by the deadline, maybe even sooner than that, I think there are going to be big changes. They don't think this roster is perfect. And, they have kind of been putting out the messaging that at the beginning of the season, they're going to be focusing on getting everybody to fit in properly and, you know, get used to playing with each other. And they're not really going to be panicking about wins and losses, which is the kind of rhetoric that you hear a lot from rebuilding teams. And the Blazers at this point are very much not a rebuilding team and are a team that's trying to compete for the playoffs. They made a bunch of win now moves. So, there's some mixed messaging going on there just between, you know, what they're saying and then what they did with the roster over the summer. But that seems to be where people's heads are at in the organization. I have said for a while, just given how tough the schedule is at the beginning, that if they can get to 500 around Christmas, they're in great shape. I would expect that they're probably a little bit below that by Christmas. And at which point, you know, we'll see how far below 500 they are and, Maybe do they decide to go in a different direction on the roster or on on the season? I don't know if I expect that to happen because I feel like they kind of already played that card last season with you know shutting everybody down and just openly going for a draft pick. Even though Victor Wembanyama is in this draft, that's just not something I really see them doing or the way that I see things going this season. No matter how bad things get, but that's you know this is all very subject to change. But that's kind of where I see things at right now I think it's going to be a very bumpy beginning of the season as everybody kind of gets used to playing with one another but I I just I said really throughout the whole offseason that I see this team as it currently is constructed as like a six to eight seed in the west and that's kind of still where I see them it could get higher or lower depending on moves they make during the season which I think are coming at some point so that's, I don't think a whole lot has changed off of 
a handful of preseason games where things maybe didn't look great. That's that's kind of still where I see things as being at. The big news, I think, of the week is Josh Hart officially winning the starting small forward spot going into the season, which going into, you know, the preseason and training camp, it's really, it's, the way things have played out is really not that surprising. I think over the summer, the idea, and this was something I believed as well, was that the long-term, you know, the hope was that Nasir Little would emerge and win that starting spot. He clearly, and he has admitted this himself, he is not ready yet. He had the shoulder surgery in February. He then had the core muscle surgery, which I talked to him a lot about in the interview that we did over the summer, which you can read at rosegardenreport.com. But he is still not fully back, even though he's been cleared for contact and cleared to do everything and he's been playing in these preseason games. He's still looked really rusty. He's still kind of working himself back into shape, and I think that's going to take some time. So at least at the beginning of the season, it does make sense to have Josh Hart in that starting spot. But I still think that down the line, the hope is that Nasir will be able to get far enough along that he can work his way into that spot permanently and then that would open up some things that maybe they're able to do with the roster but that's kind of where that all stands right now so that those are just some quick thoughts I have I don't like I'm kind of in between I'm kind of in the middle on a lot of this stuff I'm not somebody who watched these last few preseason games and is just like this is the exact same team as last year. The defense is still terrible. This is like, nothing has changed. This team is bad. They should tank. I saw a lot of that on Twitter. I don't think you should really read a lot into these preseason games, but at the same time, I don't think it means nothing. And I certainly think that some of the stuff that we've seen defensively from the, what, you know, what, what things have looked like so far is concerning. So Ultimately, it doesn't really change where I think this team is and where they stand in the hierarchy of the West. I think they still have some upside if Dame is back to being Dame and some of these other pieces fit in, but I think it's going to take a while for them to get there, and I don't think people should expect a finished product you know, at the beginning of the season, which is kind of what everybody's been saying and everybody's been messaging, that you know it's going to take some time to get this right. So that's just kind of my thoughts right now on where the preseason stands. Now, as far as today's episode... Uh, my guest, first-time guest, a friend of mine, her name is Madeline Kenny. She covers the Warriors for the San Jose Mercury News. I, she's a friend of mine. I've known her for a long time because we both were in Chicago at the same time back when I was on the Bulls beat. She was at the Sun-Times doing a lot of different stuff, covering a lot of different beats. But, you know, she and I have known each other for a long time. She just started on the Warriors beat in the middle of last season for the Mercury News so uh, she's kind of still feeling her way out there. But, you know, her first half season on the beach, she got to cover a championship. And now she's in her first training camp covering Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Then that whole situation, I had wanted to have somebody on for a while who covered the Warriors just because the Blazers' biggest free agent signing of the summer was... Gary Payton the second and I wanted to get some insight on him by the way uh on the Gary Payton thing he didn't play at all in the preseason because he's still recovering from the core muscle surgery I've still heard that the plan is for him to be ready to go for opening night but you know they haven't officially confirmed that but I haven't heard anything to suggest that, that isn't true but you know we Maddie and I talked a little bit about Gary Payton and kind of what he meant to the Warriors and how big of a loss that is for them and also what he might bring to Portland 
we also talked a bit about the whole Draymond Green, Jordan Poole situation from the perspective of somebody who's been covering it firsthand and been on the ground for it. And then we also talked about, uh, you know, the Warriors trip to Tokyo and kind of what it's like being in another country with the team that you're covering, which was an interesting discussion. And, you know, we, we, we get into a lot of different stuff. It's a cool, uh, it's a cool conversation. It's a little bit less strictly Blazer focused, but there is some Gary Payton, the second talk in there, if that's what you're interested in. And it's also just, it's a good discussion. Maddie's great. You should follow her on Twitter and follow her work at the Mercury News. So we're going to get to that conversation right now. Maddie, thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. It's been a fun week for you, right? Fun, busy. I don't know if fun's the right word. It's interesting. It makes things, <laughs> it makes the job interesting, right? <laughs> This is your first full season on the beat. You came in kind of in the middle of last year, and now you get thrown right into one of the most, you know, respected and longest tenured and most high profile guys on the team, punching one of the most, you know, exciting up and coming players on the team. There's really not a way to prepare for that. No, they do not teach that in any of the journalism classes I took. So. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you and I might have known each other at this point because it was like right before I left Chicago and I think you had just started at the Sun Times. But like one of my last couple of weeks on the Bulls beat was the Bobby Portis, Nico Miritich fight that was like the closest thing I can think of in the time that I've been covering the league to something like this happening. And that was a little bit more of an extreme thing because Bobby actually broke Nico's jaw and he missed significant time with it and his career was kind of never the same after that but I mean it's all it's always it's always weird when this kind of stuff happens especially for an organization that's so that's as buttoned up as the Warriors are about a lot of things and is you know seen as one of the organizations that like handles everything the right way and it's these teams that's like won multiple championships and you know Every you know everybody in the organization like gets along and respects each other, and mm-hmm. Draymond is like one of the longest tenured guys. Like what what's been the? I know you haven't been around the team like for years and years, but does it feel? It feels to me like this is sort of a departure from like the way that they usually handle a lot of this kind of stuff. What's been your kind of impressions of the last week, just in terms of the mood and the like the, like the way all this stuff has been handled? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, to go back to your point about the Bulls, I think the big difference here is that we didn't get a a video of Porter right. hitting Miritich. So that totally changed things. I think that if um, that video didn't get leaked on Friday, we probably wouldn't still be talking about that today. Um, that totally, I think, shifted everything. You know, when they... I will say when Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and Steph Curry faced the media the next morning after the report first surfaced that Draymond, it was forcefully struck pool at the time. Um, You know, Bob looked like extremely sad and upset about the situation. Kerr seemed mad. And then you had Steph Curry and I haven't been covering this team for as long as a lot of other people, as you've said, but Steph seemed just, disappointed and I don't know if we've ever seen stuff like that before um you could just tell that this was you know Draymond finally crossed the line 
and they love Draymond for his fiery attitude and stuff. And when Steve announced yesterday that Draymond will be coming back to the team, he's expected to play in the season opener, um, which Bob Myers from the get-go said he didn't expect him to miss any games. Granted, he missed, you know, two preseason games, but it's the preseason. Does it really, it doesn't really matter. Like if anything, it gives, you know, Jonathan Kaminga more time um, and more reps. Also, it's like, it's, it's not like when, when a team has been around as long as, uh, you know, these guys have, it's not like Draymond needs reps playing in the preseason. So I don't think they were. No, really no. And I mean, that. you've seen with stuff, he's like picked up to last season's form, playoff form. So he's, he's looked good. I mean, right. they already have that tele, they're telepathic at this point, it seems like. Um, but with that said, you know, Steve said yesterday that the culture is is damaged because of this incident and it's going to take time. You know, how much time? It's hard to say. Maybe weeks, maybe months. These people like Moses Moody who are welcoming Draymond back with open arms because they see the value. A lot of his teammates are open, welcoming back with open arms because they see the value that Draymond brings to this team. But at the same time, it's it's on him. It's on his actions over the next weeks, months, rest of the season and beyond to show that he is, you know, truly apologetic, really wants to make amends and and work on himself. He was very uh, vulnerable at times when he t- he spoke, and people can always talk about like, was he sincere? Was he just you know saving face or whatever? But he he admitted that you know he needs he internalizes emotions, which I think a lot of men do, and and the fact that he's able to recognize that and state that publicly. I mean, I think that might be. A step in the right direction um but what kind of you know help or if he's seeking out you know a therapist i think everyone needs to see a therapist personally but you know if he's seeking out professional help or what what is he doing to help him learn to better process those emotions i mean that that's one of the big questions and and unfortunately going forward though i think you and i have discussed this every little thing that pool and draymond do together now is going to be picked apart whether fairly or not yeah, because I mean, going back to the Bulls thing, and again, I was this was like my literally my last couple of weeks on the beat was when this happened. But I was still, you know, I I still like kept tabs on how all that was going. Bobby and Nico did end up playing together later on that season, mm-hmm. but it was very clear that like their relationship was not ever the same after that. I think Bobby, you know, did everything he could to apologize and you know try to move forward, and then Nico just. I think just like refuse to talk to him. And I mean, totally understandably when a guy breaks your jaw and forces you to miss however much time you miss, like I would totally understand you not wanting to not be a team player and forgive him and be, and, and just be willing to put it in the past when somebody does something like that to you. It does seem from stuff I've read and, you know, you and I, like you said, have talked about this off air and, you know, I've listened to other podcasts and, you know, read some stuff from other people that cover the team. It seems like Jordan Poole is taking one for the team as far as like not, you know, publicly holding this against Draymond and very, you know, willing to just kind of put this in the past and move forward. He hasn't talked, has he, since this whole thing happened? No, he hasn't talked, but Steve said, Steve Kerr said that he expects him to talk soon. Um My whole theory is, is he probably not going to talk until he gets a potential contract extension? You know, the deadline is what five days away um but yeah I've heard a lot of people you know both on the record and even in just conversations that are praising Jordan Poole for his professionalism and the way that his maturity the way that he's handled this whole situation I mean that video getting out I think people don't realize that when things like this 
happen while there is accountability for the video being leaked. It's also it caused a lot of you know pain to his family having to see that video and it be plastered all over the internet and viewed more than 32 million times in the first 24 hours. Well, it's embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. I mean, and it's going to probably haunt him or follow him for the rest of his career, you know? is Do you think they end up being able to move past this? You, you, you mentioned Jordan Poole is probably about to get this contract extension. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's a younger guy. I think they see him as part of, you know, the post- Steph Clay Draymond future of you know what they're building so he's going to be there long term Draymond only has this year left on his deal do you think he ends up you know signing another deal with the Warriors and sticking around long term or do you think this is kind of the breaking point and the excuse that maybe ownership has to maybe move on from him as he's kind of declining in his career how do you kind of see that going yeah, I know Draymond has a player option for next season, but um, I think that this might be we're nearing the end of the road with Draymond Green. Um, uh-huh. And and that's just because it the way that Steve co- talks about the situation, it sounds like you know Jordan Poole is the priority at this point just because he is the future. He's the most advanced player among all of the – and most exciting, to be honest, of all of the young guys. Like he is the face of that dual timeline younger group of – players um and so it seems like he's kind of the priority at this point i i I really don't think that long term this this incident is going to have like lasting impacts on Draymond's legacy granted if you know this continues to be an issue or something like that which i don't foresee that happening but then it then it will taint his legacy but i think this is just going to be like a little blip on it you know what i mean um, I, I think that the Warriors have enough of a, like an established culture. They have le- leaders like Kevon Looney has been absolutely praised for being the team's moral compass throughout all of this. Um, Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala, you know, there's there's just a lot of like veteran guys in the locker room to help these young guys kind of process what they saw or like better understand, you know, this is a safe environment. That kind of behavior is not tolerated. Um, and even Steve Kerr told the young guys, like, this is not normal. <laughs> like, cause I guess Bob Myers said one of the kids, one of the young guys, I said kids, but you know what I mean? One of the young guys after it happened. Was some like, of these guys are kids like Jonathan Kaminga. <laughs> those guys are like 19. So some I know. of them actually are kids. I know. I forget like how young they are. And it's so wild when you think about how young some of these guys get into the league and then they, they're still growing and maturing and it's nuts. But, uh, back on, back on topic. Um, one of them asked like, is this, is this normal? Or does this happen a lot? And I, you know, we were speculating, who do you think that might have been? And, you know, I think that the way that the Warriors have handled it, continue to handle it, Steve took accountability yesterday saying maybe he should have given them one more day off just to, like, cool down and breathe before bringing the whole team back together. So I think there is, like, self-awareness, reflection throughout this process, which is which is really important, you know, as a group to move forward. But I do think that they have um, enough leadership enough respected voices in that locker room where where there there is it's going to take time to heal but it's they're going to be able to repair the damage done by this they're in such an interesting spot roster wise with kind of what what you're just talking about with you know some of these younger guys who are just like asking if this is normal because you think of like the warriors you know just because you know they won the three titles in that four-year run before Mm -hmm. And it's still Steph, Clay, Draymond, and I guess Iguodala is still on the roster, even though he doesn't play any 
really very much anymore. And he's kind of at the end and, you know, Looney who you mentioned was on there, but then most of the guys that are, you know, being talked about as the future, you know, you, you know, we talk about Jordan Poole and then there's like Moody, Kaminga, some of these other guys, like none of them were around for the original run there. This is like kind of the new era. And so even though we talk about the Warriors as like this veteran team and like this team that's been together forever, a lot of these guys that are like, the key guys on this, you know, this current iteration of the Warriors mm-hmm. were not around during that. So they don't have this, you know, half decade or more of institutional knowledge of, you know, this is how this organization does things. This is how the culture is. And so it's kind of a little bit of a culture shock for them, I would think, because they think that like the Warriors culture is so buttoned up just because of what the reputation is. And then in their first couple years in the league, something like this happens and they're like, wait, is this, what is this? Yeah. And a lot of, you know, people have asked Steve about this, just the generational gap, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. about me and my younger siblings and just how different we act and like, process things. Like, you know, between I'm a millennial, I'm I'm on that cusp of like millennial Gen Z. But like my little sister's a Gen Z. There's just such a disconnect sometimes when it comes to communication and stuff like that. And so how is Steve navigating that, you know, navigating 30 year old dads, with 20 with 19 year old kids who should be in college or or not necessarily should be in college but you know would be in college maybe partying at a frat party you know what i mean right like so navigating just these different where guys are in they're in different areas of their life they're in different uh they're different generations they they act differently they prioritize different things and so you know there's a lot of talk about like younger guys being soft or like even young people being soft in general um, I don't think that this is a situation of Jordan Poole being soft of anything. He's shown how tough he is to be able to face this and be so professional and drop 25 points at team high in like, I think it was like 24 minutes, if I remember correctly, um, in, in the first preseason game since the incident. Um, and he, he hasn't taken to social media to to talk bad about Draymond. He, he, he hasn't, you know, there hasn't been any rumors or anything out of, Jordan Poole's camp, you know, in the in the wake of this this uh, altercation. So just really kudos to him for his professionalism and maturity in handling this situation. Well, he's got to get his contract done first, though. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, if anything, this gave him bargaining power. Maybe like what, once he's got the extension signed, maybe he'll talk about like... Uh... <laughs> Oh, you know, that, you know, maybe he'll tell us how he, what, once the ink is dry, maybe he'll tell people how he really feels about it. <laughs> maybe he'll make a TikTok dance or something. <laughs> the Draymond. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Are you doing, do you do the TikTok thing? I, I downloaded the app once when I first heard people talk about it, like four years ago. And then after like two, after I looked at it for five minutes, I was just like, I am way too old to be on here. I, so during the pandemic, you know, my little sister and I got really into the TikTok dances just to pass time. And that was like a little bonding for us, but I had to delete the app because it just was soul sucking and all time consuming. I could scroll that app for hours. It's embarrassing, but I find myself doing that with Instagram reels now. So I don't know if that's any better. My friends still send me TikTok. So I'm, (laughs) I'm kind of up to date on the trends, but I feel like I also see the trends like three weeks after they happen. So (laughs) You're like our parents, like seeing stuff on Facebook, like like six weeks after it was like a thing, and they'll send you, you know, my parents exactly. will text me like, "Hey, did you hear about the like?" So you're like, <laughs> since I so I've wanted to, 
obviously, you know, there's this big, you know, stuff is going on with the Warriors, with Draymond, Jordan Poole, all this stuff. I've wanted to get someone on who is around the Warriors and covers the Warriors for a while because the Blazers, the team that I cover and the team that this podcast primarily is about, their big free agent signing this summer was Gary Payton II, who we have not seen actually on the court yet Mm -hmm. in a Blazers uniform because he had the core muscle surgery. And so he hasn't really been a full participant in training camp yet. He hasn't played in any of their preseason games. They say he's supposed to be good to go for opening night next week. So as far as I know, that's still the plan. But I had wanted to get someone on for a while who had been around him. And obviously, you know, you 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 haven't been on the beat for a long time, but you were covering them during the Warriors' whole playoff run, their championship mm-hmm. run last year, when he carved out a pretty important role for himself in that run and was actually you know one of their key players during that you know that whole run and in the finals and was starting in the finals and all this stuff how do you how big first of all how big of a loss is he you think for the Warriors and then also how do you think he's gonna fit in Portland yeah they really wanted Gary Payton the second back like they they really wanted to but at the end of the day just financially were unable to due to how financially strained the Warriors are right now with the luxury tax ramifications and stuff um but they were all super happy to see Gary get his bag. You know, he's had such a, uh-huh. a journeyman pathway to the NBA, you know, being on 10-day 10, 10 contracts and stuff like that and not really being a, being on a team until last season, like full-time, you know what I mean, making the roster spot, right. the 15th roster spot out of camp, you know, after initially, I think, getting waived or something like that. Um, and so it, it is a big loss for the Warriors. He he provided that like defensive, it's kind of like their defensive sp- sp- specialist off of off of the bench, you know. And he could he could guard almost any player out there. Um, his length is incredible. He's a lob threat, despite being kind of undersized. He, he's just a pure athlete, and he loves the game so much. And he's such a hard worker, and he just has a personality that made him an easy fan favorite. Um, so loss is big for the Warriors. They were able to get some other free agent pickups. I think that because they also lost Otto Porter Jr. Um, and Belly, he decided to go play overseas. Uh, but I think the Warriors at the same time, they're, we saw it last night with all the starters sitting. Um, their second unit is pretty athletic and pretty fun to watch. Um, will they be able to fill the hole left by Gary Payton second? I don't think so, but I think it's a really good pickup for Portland just because of what he can add. And also just always happy to see a guy get the bag after, you know, years of just hard work and dedication. What can you tell me about you? You mentioned like he has this great personality that a lot of people like. I have not gotten to talk to him yet. We or we, you know, we he had his he had his introductory press conference when they first signed him in July, and then he talked on media day. But other than that, since he hasn't been available because he's been recovering from this surgery, we haven't really gotten to talk to him. So I haven't really been able to get to know him yet. And even though like we've been back allowed in locker rooms, which by the way, for your first full season on uh, covering the league, you you know you you're you dodged a bullet not having to have multiple years in a row of not being in the locker room. So there's that. But he hasn't really been around in the locker room pregame because he's been, you know, rehabbing and, you know, getting back from this injury. Like, so what personality wise, like what, what can you tell me about him? Like, what, like what's, like, what's he like? Yeah. So Gary Payton, the second, he, he's got a great, 
personality. Um, he's he's just so nice. Uh, you can't say enough things, good things about him. Just the way that he's his professionalism, the way that he's just handled you know the spotlight and everything. And and that you know he was won like the community service award I believe last year for for uh, the league for his work with um, with kids in the area and. He's, he's just like a good personality to have on your team. Like he's the type of guy you, the type of teammate you want because you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, and fans will probably gravitate to him just because he he, he does feel so relatable um, and so so normal. I feel like sometimes with professional athletes, they can feel like they're, you know, super above above us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's and that's not him. I feel like he's he's one of one of the people. I guess you could say. <laughs> Well, he also he played at Oregon State, so there's and and his dad is obviously also a legend of yeah definitely you know, the the region. I know he played for the Sonics, but he also played at Oregon State back in the day. So there's a little bit of a connection. Do you? I I full disclosure, I did not see the preseason game last night, but do you have any? And I know Dame didn't play, but do you have any kind of impressions of the Blazers, uh, you know, what, what you saw from them last night, you probably haven't followed them super closely throughout camp because you've been so tied up with this Warriors stuff. But like, did anything really like stick out to you last night overall with them? Yeah, Warriors. And then also just being in Japan for five days, I feel yeah, like. Tell me about that, actually. Been, How was that? My head's been spinning. Um, oh, Japan. Japan was super fun. It was a super cool experience. The The fans there. Oh, my gosh. It was the coolest thing to like see and witness. Um, they were like pen drop silence during free throws and it's not even necessarily that they had rooting interest in either team obviously you know the stars they every time stuff created anything they cheered um but they just wanted they were just there to have fun and they they were cheering for both sides they were clap they were clapping in unison they were so respectful there was no trash talking any of that stuff i think there was one free throw or something. It, it was super quiet, and one of them yelled like, "I love you, Jordan, Jordan Pool, or Pool Party, or something like that." And Jordan, you know, like gave him a smile and pointed at them. Um, so it was a it was a really cool experience. The food was great. I love I love Japan. I totally want to go back. Um, hopefully, when I'm not working, because there wasn't a lot of time to explore. But definitely a cool experience. That's so funny that you talk about how quiet the fans are during the game. I've heard stories of. During like people like bands will like play concerts in Japan. At least this was like that in the seventies or or whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's still like this, but like I think the culture is just different over there about going to events and whether like what like what will happen is like there will be like a concert going on and the band will be playing a song and during the song the crowd is just completely dead. No matter what kind of music it is, the crowd is just completely dead silent listening. And then between songs they'll go nuts and cheer and whatever else and then the next song starts and they'll completely go silent again it's a totally different culture of like going to events and watching stuff and you know listening to stuff than maybe there is over here yeah it's a they're so respectful they're so like also like uh what's the word i'm looking for like in unison or in sync uh they you know i did a walk with moses moody not to plug a story that's about to drop no please plug a story that's about to drop i uh took a walk one night with moses moody and his dad and we were just walking around in this park and you know moses pointed out you know for a city of like 14 million people it is so quiet here and when he said that i was like you're right and then like a car zoomed by and it was you know just it sounded like a like a hum and he's like, man, that that car runs on Voss water, and it's like it, it was so funny. But just how clean it is too. Like, there's not 
a trash can in sight. I I went and got I was foolish and got an ice cream and didn't finish like could just could not finish it. Um, and so I was walking around for like a mile with melted ice cream cone because there was nowhere for me to throw it away. Um, and so it was, it, it, yeah, it was a, it was really cool experience. I know the players really enjoyed it. Um, always nice to help build the global brand of the game. Um, and also reach out to those fans that, you know, maybe don't have opportunities to see a game in person. Well, and then the other thing is since they were playing against the Wizards, so I'm sure just like the Rui Hachimura Definitely, yeah. mania was, I, I remember I covered, uh, that was 2019 was the year that he was drafted. And I remember uh, the Wizards played their first preseason game or not preseason game, summer league game in Las Vegas that summer. And there was like the kind, the amount of media that there usually is for like when LeBron comes to town or when you know, somebody like that comes to town or like Zion Williamson his first year, whatever, whatever it is. There was like probably solid, you know, two dozen <laughs> Japanese media outlets that came to Las Vegas just to cover Rui Hachimura's summer league de- debut. So I cannot imagine what that crowd was like and what kind of the fanfare around him was probably like for, uh, you know, his first NBA game back home. Well, before every single game, um, well, there was only two of them, but before both games, you know, Rui addressed the crowd in Japanese. I don't know quite what he was saying, but probably just thank you for your support and everything. And the first time, I think it was Steph Curry joined him and Steph said something in English, just thanking them for their support and for coming out. And they hope to put on like a good show. And the second time it was Draymond Green. And Rui gives this, gives us like, I don't know, minute, two minute, you know, spiel in Japanese and they give the mic to Draymond and all he says is like Kanichiwa and he pauses and the crowd goes wild. Just, and he, just, you know, just people... out of him putting in the effort to say one, even though it's like the most obvious word in Japanese, just he like he put in the effort to say one word and they were just like, yeah. They they just loved it. Um and he he goes on in the video to to thank them for coming out and stuff. I think that the second part got cut. Like a lot of people just thought he said Kanichiwa and walked off, but that wasn't the case. But that, you know, I it it, it was definitely a little funny moment um especially coming from like a guy like Draymond which uh, that's what like makes this whole thing so wild you know going back to what we were talking about earlier is that you know he's like the big brother of the team he's the protector he's they love his fiery and emotional demeanor and attitude because that's kind of gives them an edge right and just for something like this to happen to blow up you know way out of proportion and punch another teammate it's just it's hard to wrap your head around, I guess you could say. So, but Japan was awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, I've never been to that part of the world at all. I've always wanted to go there. And also it would be kind of fun to cover, you know, I've never covered a team that did one of those preseason trips to another country or any of that kind of stuff. That seems like that would be a fun, a fun thing to cover. I, you know, the Blazers did their training camp in Santa Barbara a couple weeks ago. And so I went down there for that, but that's not the same thing. That's not, playing exhibition games in front of fans who have never had an NBA game in their country before or, ha- or haven't in several years, at least. Like, cause I, I think this is the first, I mean, I, I could be wrong about this. I think this is the first international exhibition games that the NBA has done in a few years, just because of COVID, they couldn't really do yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff. That seems like that would just be a really fun trip to be on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the jet lag coming back was pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. I think it took me like a week to finally get my sleep schedule back in order. Um, but it, it was a cool experience, you know, really, really awesome t- 
to do and just also being new on the beat, you know, I feel like it just helped me kind of get to know some of the players or some of the personnel better. Um, so super cool experience. Hopefully you got, you get to go on one suit. Fingers crossed. How have you, how have you been, you know, liking and adjusting to this is cause this is your first real like traveling all the time. I know you, you covered the sky for a while and, and when you were at the sun times uh, before Annie took over that beat, but uh you, you know, this is your first like full time on a beat traveling to every road game. Like, how, how have you been adjusting to that so far? How have you been liking it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I. Uh, so what happened was I got offered the job. I initially in February. I initially said I needed like a month, you know, just to pack up and move because I was in Chicago, right? Um, and move across country, and because of just some unforeseen things that came up it ended up being only like two and a half weeks and so I put my two weeks in at my old paper and I got done working on like a Thursday and I left on a Sunday and got here on a Tuesday and covered a game on a Wednesday (laughs) so it just and then it was just hit the hit the ground running basically I had Thursday off and then it was go time because then they went on a five city seven day road trip out east and it it was really fun. It was like a whirlwind, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it was so fast that I didn't really have time to think or get, like, anxious or overwhelmed by the whole situation. It just kind of was like, okay, now I'm going to be here, and then I'm going to be there, and this happened, and that happened. Um, it wasn't until after Summer League, actually, where, you know, things started to slow down, and I had time to breathe, where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm living in – I'm on the West Coast now. Like, what? When did this happen? You know? Um, away from like all my friends and my family and stuff. So it's it's been like definitely a transition. Um, I'm really excited for this season, uh, excited for the opportunity to go to all these different uh, arenas. I love, I love, this is kind of weird, but I just love being in different arenas and like experiencing different fan bases because I feel like, you know, everyone here approaches a game differently. I feel like fan bases have different personalities and stuff like that. So it's always fun to kind of see you know, who, who's, who's what, um, and see different venues. Love, love rating arena food too, for sure. What's your favorite road arena that you've been to so far? Favorite road arena? Can I say the United Center? No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. That <laughs> um, hmm, that's a good question. How many of you, how many have you been to? Cause you haven't, that you, you, since you jumped on the beat in the middle of the season, you haven't been to all of them. No, maybe 11. Okay. 12. Um, it's a good enough sampling. Yeah, yeah. And and I, you know, when I, I covered for Joe for, uh, like, I went to Detroit one one time for him and stuff like that. Um, so maybe I've been to, like, 15 of them or 16 of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, Boston, I, I don't know if that's, like, appropriate for me to say, but I really loved Boston. I and do, too. It's it's just, like, the history there, too. And I, I stepped on the court at one point, and it just – it's so cool. I, I love that kind of stuff. I just went to a USC game not too long ago because I just wanted to see the Coliseum, you know? Yeah. That's a great arena, too, in Boston. And it's super, like, the location is great. And, mm-hmm. yeah, because I, I, my last full year on the Bulls beat, they played the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs, so I spent a good deal of time there. But, yeah, that that's a great arena. I used to love, I'm, I'm sure you probably went there at some point. I haven't been to the Bucks' new arena that they opened a few years ago, but I used to really enjoy the Bradley Center, even though it's kind of an old building. Yeah, I haven't been to the new arena yet, but this season I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'll get some Culver's too while I'm in. 
Oh, and some spotted cow. I was actually thinking about spotted cow last night uh, when I'm in Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. for those a lot for of your, good food in for your West Coast fans, that, that's a really good beer. <laughs> yeah. When are you guys up in Portland? I think not until like February. I think that's correct. I think you guys come here first. If I okay, remember. well, I will not be on the road. I'm not. I'm not traveling. But I. Yeah. But so you. So you'll be here in February, and I think the Blazers and the Warriors play the last game of the entire regular season. That 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 day where everybody plays, and it, and I, I think that's Blazers Warriors, and I would imagine that probably what will be going on at that point is the Warriors will be resting all of their guys because they'll have their playoff seed locked up and Portland will still be fighting for whatever position, either in the play-in or in the kind of low end of the playoffs or whatever the case may be. So like that, that's that part of the, that, that, that that's the two times that you'll be in Portland. Have you ever been to Portland before? No, I haven't. So I'm excited. I'm going to hit you up for all of the recommendations. Oh so. yeah, no, we will. Yeah, we will absolutely get together. It's going to be good. I'm glad I'm glad you were able to do this. I'm glad that you've seem like you're, you know, adjusting well to the beat. It's obviously kind of a whole new thing. Obviously, you know, you're you're doing great so far. You're going to keep doing great. You're going to get I I I've told you this off air too, but like as you know, you get more comfortable and start to get to know more people in the organization and around the team, it's going to get a lot easier. All of the different like, you know, when something crazy like this happens, there's going to be more people that you're going to be able to talk to and kind of get, figure out what's going on and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. That's going to get easier. That all gets easier. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, I will say breaking news on a beat when you're new is so, so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the job. It's the job. And it's going to, like I said, eventually people are going to start to spend being on the road is also huge because, uh, they start to see you around more and they start to be like, Oh, Oh, she's on the road. She's not just one of these people that's around at home games. I don't really know what she does. She just kind of walks around like, you know, cause, cause, cause at home, there's always a lot of people, you know, just who maybe work for like TV or radio stations and they're not like the beat writers and nobody really knows what they do, but they're just like in the locker room all the time. If you're on the road, you kind of set yourself apart as like, it's you. And then it's like the, couple of other beat writers and people will kind of start to see you as more of like the regular group Mm -hmm. yeah which I'm looking forward to that you know just building more relationships and getting to know people on more personal levels and being able to cover this team to the best of my abilities yeah so give people do you have any stories you mentioned one that you're working on about Moses Moody do you have any give me some this is going to be out later today do you have like stories that you want to plug or just any of your just kind of usual, you know, your social media, whatever, just tell people kind of where to follow you or what to read or, or any of that. Yeah. Well, my social media is at Mad Kenny for both Instagram and Twitter. It's M-A-D-K-E-N-N-E-Y. People like to forget that second E. Um, and yeah, the main story that I have coming out that I've been working on was uh, my walk with Moses Moody throughout Tokyo, just kind of reflecting on his, him and his father's relationship and just how surreal the last 15 months have been for this kid from Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, going from being a family who they were, they made ends meet for sure. But to just what he's making now, I think I looked it up. His salary is 115 times the median income salary in his hometown, which is pretty wild. And so we talked about that. We talked about just adjusting to the life and everything like that. So I like to think it's a good read, um, but you guys could be the judge of that. 
other than that, just normal Warriors preseason stuff, hoping to sit down with Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins this weekend ahead of the season opener next week and ring night. Um, so those will be other stories that will be worth looking out for. Cool. Yeah, make sure. I mean, I, I've known Maddie for a long time. She does a great job and has covered a lot of different stuff. And, you know, she's going to do a great job on the Warriors beat now that she's like getting more established. So thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>